there's always that how to twist something that is very from the island with techniques that are from the island with materials that are for the island but looking around us what how we combine the world with what we can do hi everyone I'm Liz Kasky. As a travel curator, cook, wine aficionado, and design lover here in South America, I've always been fascinated by the stories of how creatives pursue their dreams. What's the energy behind a great chef and restaurant? How is that tasty cheese made? Why does this wine speak to me? What was the inspiration for that hotel? Or simply appreciating the artistry of an old world weaving with contemporary design. I'm constantly searching for local flavors and I'm passionate about sharing them. Welcome to In Search of Flavor, a podcast that explores the experiences, ideas, and stories behind the fascinating trailblazers in the region and the beautiful projects they've birthed. So pour yourself a glass of wine, dial into your wanderlust, and get ready to be inspired. Close your eyes for a minute. Now imagine a faraway place, an island with rolling emerald hills shrouded by fog. Rain showers give way to rainbows, and sheep graze on every hill. Coves and bays are jumbled with colorful homes on stilts where islanders park their boats below like cars. Ancient forests open up onto the Pacific, and the smell of the sea is always nearby. Today, we're going to get to know the founder of a design project that captures this remote corner of the world, Chiloé, and its weaving traditions. The pieces that they make bring Chiloé into the home with a striking, understated, and updated look. Catalina Marin, the founder, launched Treco Chile in 2016 to preserve the centuries-old weaving traditions of the island, infused it with her love for design and a keen marketing sense. Designing the exquisite, stylish wool pillows, blankets, and throw rugs, she's also given new hope for the master women who are the weavers and spinners who not only can now learn a living from continuing their traditions, they also have been able to fully embrace their art. Join us for this uplifting chat and a little virtual travel to the bewitchingly beautiful south of Chile. Welcome to In Search of Flavor, and I am thrilled you're here to talk about your beautiful textiles from Chiloé Treco. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm more thrilled to be here and be able to show a little bit of what our Chilean culture is. Yes. And, you know, you're, I think what's so captivated me about this, this project that you, you put together and that we're going to get into is that it's specifically in a part of the South of Chile that for anyone that knows Chile, has traveled here, grew up here, has a relationship with it, it's a very magical place within Chile. So I think it's even more iconic. Let's just start a little bit with your background because you're a nat- native, obviously, of Chile, but you live in the U.S. right now. And, you know, where you were born, raised, and, you know, a little bit your early years, were you drawn, yeah, so were you drawn was, to textiles for, from an early age? Well, I was born and raised in Chile. I have a, an American mom, a Chilean dad. So I was always exposed with the American culture and the Chilean culture. Um, my family is very artistic, so I was always drawn to architecture, design, and textiles in general, colors. Uh, there's artists, there's designers, there's architectures in my whole family. So I was always exposed to that uh, growing up. Now, my background, um, I study uh, business, and I did my master's in marketing. Um, and I start my first job was in and Boteo Randina, which is a Coca-Cola distributor in marketing. Uh, I worked there as a trade marketing. And then I moved to L'Oreal Company and I worked there around 10 years. And I ended up uh, working as a marketing director in Garnier. Uh, when that happened, my husband was transferred to the States. He's in the wine business. He works for Conchitoro, which is a huge winery in Chile. The uh, biggest. And Conchitoro <laughs> bought, yes. Uh, and Conchitoro bought Fetzer Vineyards, uh, which is a winery in California, nine years ago. So that is what brought me to come and live in the States, uh, even though I used to come to the States a lot because of my mom. Um, And I end up here, and here I start looking for a path to continue working as a marketing person. 
And it's hard when you live in a small town where everything is wine related and you come from a total different world retail. It was hard to get a business. I was very, very uh, dismotivated. I think that's how you say it. Because um, I, I, there was no job for me here. So one day, my sister from Chile calls me and she's in the island. She's in Chiloé. And she's like, Cata, you cannot believe what Marcia and Rosita are doing. And these are all people I've known for years because when I was younger, I used to go to the island backpacking with my family. Uh, and so I have a deep connection in the island. Um, I have a deep connection with the people and also with the traditions, their architecture and their design. Um, so that day she calls me and that's where my I decided to start my own path and I said no one is going to determine what I'm going to do with my life I'm going to create this to show what is my country about I decided to start expressing what Chile is through Chiloé because Chiloé is very well known by their national monuments specifically uh, their their churches um, their architecture built in the in the water about their traditions in textiles and with wood and and clay. So that's why I started this. You had a lot of good pieces I think we can expand on here. And um, <laughs> Chiloé, for listeners, those that have not traveled in Chile or are dreaming about coming to Chile, is in the south of Chile. And it's an archipelago, technically. It's not one island. It's many islands. There's one big island, though, and it has a lot of tiny ones. And it's it's really cut off from the mainland. Historically, um, the way it grew up culturally, it also has like a very, uh, there's a very strong indigenous component there. Like the there's a a marked gastronomy of foods you don't find out the island. What I want to do is paint that this is like an island that's literally facing the northern part of Patagonia, and they actually call things the continent. And so it's like when you're in Chiloé, it almost reminds me of like Scotland, the north, you know, the western isles of you know Isle of Skye, that whole area of of the northern UK. It has something that's this island spirit, and so within Chile, it's its own thing. I feel like that they're really, truly these like sort of wild spirits. I feel Chiloé. It's like a, it's part of Chile, but they feel they're different because. They have very, as you say, very strong indigenous culture, their food, their architecture, the colors. You go to the island and every house is painted on bright colors and they're all very unique. There's nothing the same as each other. Uh, the families that have been raised in the island embrace their traditions and their cultures. Like, for example, in textiles, Rosita's family has this technique of doing weaving that Marcia's family does not have. And they don't dare to go into others' techniques because they embrace their their traditions and, and, and they respect between each other. And that happens in every single part on, in the island. Um, it's an island that has not direct access. You have to take a ferry in order a to long one. reach <laughs> a long one to reach the main island. And then from the main island, if you want to go to the other little ones, you just can go in little boats. And those uh-huh. boats don't go every day. So it's a very, very remote place. Uh, and that's the beauty of it. It is. And, and I think it's preserved so well. Well, they got a mall in Castro, but it's preser- it's, it hasn't changed a lot up until maybe five years ago. It really, I, I can remember going in the 90s and, and then you know, more recently, and there wasn't a lot of advancements in terms of the way people live and, and, and this connection to with nature. So people know where we're beyond what we're talking about in terms of location in the south of Chile. I think the climate is worth talking about because it has a very, and this is why I referred to the British Isles, it rains a lot there. And it's very much this rainbow land of a lot of sheep 
And this is where the wool comes from, which obviously we can touch on a little bit in the textiles because it's very important as part of the the weaving traditions. But, you know, just to paint this place also, you know, what you're saying about the boat so people can imagine this. A lot of the homes are built up on palafitos too, the stilts, because the tides are, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they have this, the, the largest tides in the world. Like at full moon, if I remember correctly, some of the tides go out for over a mile. And so when they come in, they come really far in. And so there's just this plethora of shellfish and oysters and all these things that they can dig for. It's really interesting. I digress. But just I think like what I love about what you're doing is like that you're seeding this place that I think is one of the most amazing areas, not only in Chile and South America, um, and really decanting it through this very modern take on what Chile is. So let's talk a little bit. So you had this seed of an idea that you thought, wow, this is a great way to show Chile. How did, let's talk about the weaving, like, and and the chilote wool and a little bit, how did you bring this into life? Because I imagine there must've been a lot of hurdles and challenges in working with traditional weavers that probably want to do things the way they want to do it. So walk me through like how you got this business going and design and all that. So when I decided this is it, uh, I just started um, contacting first the people that I knew, asking them for samples of what they're doing, the different weavings. Um, But it wasn't that easy as just getting samples. Uh, It took me a fair amount of trips to gain trust. Uh, This Mm -hmm. is a company built on trust. Uh, the, The weavers are in general more older people. There's some new generations are coming, but these are traditions that are getting forgiven. Uh, people, their their hard techniques, their slow techniques, uh, and younger people don't want to put the time on it. So what we ha- what we decided to do, I decided to do, is go to the island and start meeting people and gaining their trust. They don't just work with anyone; they want to know someone. And once you know them and you know their work when you decide to change some of their weaving or change some of their colors, that's another process too. Because there's a mm-hmm. process of them teaching them to adjust to something new, which it's not easy at all. They do not like to change. They're used to do their weaving or their colors as they have done for years. Um, so that was a, a big process of trust and getting to know a lot of people there. Are they weaving on large looms? Can you describe a little bit like how, like what is what is a traditional weaving from Chiloé so that we can maybe start okay. there? And then how did you come in and, and tweak that? Yeah. So the traditional weaving in Chiloé, it's, it's looms made out of wood that do not have a pedal. So they're all hand-based, they're manual. So that's why they're super slow. We have different types of looms depending on the size that you you want to of what you want to achieve. So there's traditional looms that are so big that you have to put them in the floor and you're working sitting down in the floor. Those mm-hmm. looms practically you don't see them anymore because they were really tough uh, mm-hmm. labor, like physically. And the other physically and. The looms are there, they have been more rescue nowadays, are the ones that are manually, but they are maybe one meter of wide. Um, and they're still work manually, but uh, they're you're standing up. Okay, those are the two looms that you can have. Uh, why did Treco decides to go for Chiloe? It's because when I arrived to the States, I see all this traditional textiles from Peru, from Mexico, from Colombia. Uh, And I was like, why is there anything about Chile, which is so different from all of this in Mm -hmm. in terms of color, in terms of weaving, I need to show Chile. But I didn't want to be a company that promotes um, textiles from around the world or textiles from am- around South America because I feel the minute you do that you uh, disregard how special special is each culture uh, and I wanted Treco is only Chiloé and will always be only Chiloé 
because I want to, maybe in the future, I can go and take another piece of Chile and say, I'm going to do the north of Chile, but I'm going to embrace the north of Chile how there it is. I don't want to put it all in a package because they have such different cultures and traditions that I think it's disrespectful to put them all in a bag. Um, That's why I pick up Chiloé and because I had roots over there. So the weaving, in terms of weaving, there's so many techniques and those techniques have been lost. So our research, when, when I come to this, I start doing research, buying books of what they used to do in olden times and what they're doing now. And once I meet the, the woman, I try, I, we start working on trying to rescue those old ones, which it is a lot of training uh, and try and retry to see if we can get the hand of it. But how how are they different uh, than curiosity? Well, it's different of the the quality of the wool you put, how you oh, okay. spin the wool, how you dye the wool, how firm you weave the wool, what kind of loom you use, a bigger or smaller, how many um, vertical uh, wood pieces does that loom have? Can you do drawings in that loom or not? Um, and all those different drawings and textures are the hard part because not everyone knows those techniques. Okay. Okay. So it's like layers of complexity and getting a more refined product yeah. essentially. Yeah, totally. Okay. And can we just touch, because you just mentioned about the spinning of the wool. And I know this is something that, um, you know, if you, when you guys go to her Catalina's page, Treco, um, you should, you talk about the chilote wool being different. Is that because the sheep is a different animal? Can we get into a little bit about what makes this wool special? Because it's also been mentioned, if I remember correctly, when we were there, that it's like waterproof, it's spill proof. I mean, it has like a lot of positive attributes. Is that from the breed? Yeah. So it is, well, it is from the breed. But as you mentioned before, Chilo is an island that rains a ton. It rains mm-hmm. a ton and it's really foggy. So what happened when they, they, Centuries ago, they introduced, they had the Spanish sheep, but that Spanish sheep start mutating because of the weather conditions. And that's when the Chilota sheep is renamed. And so this Chilota sheep, what are the qualities? Is that it's a wool that um, it's, it's thicker, uh, it's weatherproof, and it has a tons of oils on it. So it okay. repels like Water. if I throw some wine on top of a wool pillow, it will you can see the balls of wine and I just shake the pillow and it will go away because of all, all the oils that the, that wool has. So talk to me. So you have I today I think you have you said it's 40 plus 60 plus women working with you, but you started probably with a handful of women that you took your designs and kind of looked at their technique skill sets and you started seeing how you could match. Like, how did you go through this process of train of training, if you can call it training of training them to do what you envisioned that your clients and your market ultimately would want? Because guys, if you haven't looked at her, her, her items, what I really love Kathleen about what you're doing is, is, not only channeling Chiloé, you really captured this modern, simple, but very chic look that for somehow for me reads very California too, at the same time. Like it has something light and airy and it's like such a fun mixture of these two places. I love it. Well, the the main concept is that we want to live in a world where everything that you have matters and means something. Mm. So, Starting from that point, how do you, we make pieces with history? And so that is the main concept which Treco goes through. So Treco is full of traditions, and I, w- I want to bring all those, that history and traditions into a house that wants to be unique, has to have not much things on it, and wants everything to count. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Because I have a background in marketing and in researching and doing focus groups and testing, um, the main process when I start, it's I just brought samples of what the women were doing, 
just raw. And I started mm. doing a lot of testing here with different markets, understanding, do you like this type of weavings? Do you like this? What are the sizes? Uh, I will ask interior designers. I will ask customers of different ages, of dif- different um, salaries uh, to understand the market. Because some, mm-hmm. one thing is what I like as Catalina, and another thing is what my market here in the States can like. But always being super truthful of that history and that quality that I was not going to betray. So when I started building this, I started getting a lot of information about sizes, pricing, coloring, textures. And once I had that, I started creating designs. I took an airplane, went to Chile, and stay there for a long time to work with them and start having conversations first. Um, do you think this family can do this? This other family can do that? And that's how we start working and, and achieving the first collection that we, we, we produce. Um, nowadays, we do that remotely. We have a system right now, which where WhatsApp is big time. Uh, we WhatsApp, <laughs> a lifeline in South America. So, yes. Uh, so in that sense, it's easier because we already build that trust and they know I'm never going to betray what they are. I'm always going to respect what they are, uh, mm-hmm. but with a hint of making it more contemporary. Um, they used to do... These are, are, are the difference. Like, for example, one day I saw this hair hanging, like hair, I mean, like a, a, a wool spin in a different way. And I saw it hanging on one of the houses of one of the ladies. And I say, what is this? And she's like, oh, no, that's nothing. That's my kid was playing like that with, with the wool. I'm like, how do you achieve to make the wool like that? Oh, you just uh, spin it in a different way and you put a little bit of water. And okay. What about we do that same hair a hundred times in a pillow? And they're like, no, no. Why are we going to do that? Well, can you do that? I can't, but no, that would be weird. And so that's the process. Like it's me going to the island and even I see the churches and get inspirations on the churches on how they put the wood in the churches. And I say to them, what are we weave so that it looks like one of the churches? But how, mm. what do you mean? Yeah, like they look one wool up, one wool down, like trying to do drawings that we see in their same environment. The same with the coloring. We naturally dye every single piece. Uh, we don't use chemicals, and that is something new for a lot of them. Why? Because nowadays they used to do all mm. chemistry kind of things. It's easier for them to naturally dye is something very antique and it's slow, and then you have to dry it. It's a long process. So we had to train. I had to find out people that knew how to do it, and then that person trained some other in order to achieve different colors. What colors do we use? You will never see a bright yellow or a bright green. We stay true to what the island is, and what are the colors of the islands? The natural colors. So we use, like, uh, we dye like greens and we take the moss that grows in the fences of the houses. And with that moss, we dye, we use it to dye the greens. Like we get kind of like the rusty colors. We pick up the, the bark that they are, is there and we create that. Um, so we have a, a, to get the, the, the blacks, for example, we use clay. And it's clay oh, wow. that we take up from the same island. So every single thing that we dye, it has to be with something from the island. Um, oh, wow. The wool is from the island. Everything has to be from the island. And are the women that are weaving, are they also the sheep farmers? Are, I mean, is that all still tied together as a, as a tradition that a lot of people have their own animals? Or has that separated since? Like, so they would have... I don't know, five or six sheep and they get their wool directly or do they, you have like somebody that you source for the wool and then take it to them? No, in general, the weavers do not have the, the sheep. They may have okay. one or two sheep at home uh, and that's it. So, but the people that have the sheep are in Chiloé too, but they're oh, okay. very well connected. So Marcia only works 
with Don Ricardo that has those uh, ships because they already have a connection or they may be family. So it's at the end, they all know each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a small place. <laughs> yeah. How, you know, you said something earlier that I wanted to come back to, and you mentioned that the younger generation is kind of losing interest in this craftsmanship. Why do you think that is? Is is the allure of mainland life greater or people are looking to go to school? I mean, what do you, is this something that you think is going to die? I mean, just as an example in central Chile, I'm sure, you know, the Doniwe weavers that make these beautiful chamantos for people listening. These are these silk rodeo ponchos, another weaving in Chile. That's absolutely spectacularly beautiful. And, it's elders making this. And there was a re there's a real concern, like who's going to carry these traditions on when they die? They, a lot of them are, are aging. Like, is that something that's happening in Chiloé too, that these, this is like an aging population at this point? It is. It is mm -hmm. with the access of more education and the country developing the last 20 years uh, greatly uh, that oh. made be, that may, it gave more access to education. And so, People wanted to get out of the island, to explore, mm. uh, to go and get uh, college degrees. And so mm. that is happening a lot. And that is something we are working on. So we do have younger generations, um, especially like younger moms that they already went and study. They come back and they want to be able to work from home. Mm-hmm. And this is a way that we're trying to gain uh, younger generations. And we're trying the older to teach the youngers so we don't lose it. But for sure, we have less of those cases. It is a concern. Is this something to, I imagine the way you're speaking that, you know, there's a lot of traceability in, in terms of, of paying way above what the market would pay. So clearly these women, which... Correct me if I'm wrong. They're all women, right? All women. I mean, they're making a living. I mean, they can they, they can have a living, which part of the reason two people have left weaving in some cases is well, not only lack of interest, but sometimes there's not enough economic opportunities of what a local market would appreciate and pay. But you're opening up a whole new world, essentially, for their art to arrive to, to more people. So, I mean, that's also must be attractive Totally. As a long-term that change development that made that made it change too. Um, how they used to weavers, how they used to sell in Chile, it's mainly in the summertime where they have the mm. the fairs and where tourists <laughs> go over there and get and and get this. So in general, this woman will have business for only two or three months, and that was it. Now with Treco, this gives me gives them the capability of being able to work in the studio or from home if they want to um, during the whole year at a, at a double price that they were earning before. Because we That's really great. do evaluate their work. Uh, and that is why grandma sometimes tells the granddaughter, hey, why don't you do the natural dyeing and I'll teach you the natural dyeing and I, I'll do the weaving. And that's how we have been gaining younger people because they know they're well paid. They can stay at home and it's, it's a family tradition too for them. It's special for them. Grandma does not want to her techniques to get lost either. Mm, exactly. It's like a passing of the torch. Yeah. I'm quickly interrupting this episode to let you know I will be hosting a private virtual tasting with the founder and chocolate maker of Obolo Chocolate, Mark Garrett, in mid-March. If you missed the episode number 15, where Mark and I go deep on everything Bina Bar chocolate, you'll know it's a fascinating topic. In this tasting, we're going to get even more into the topic along with tasting several of Obolo's delicious chocolates delivered directly to your front door. If you'd like to join us and be the first to know about Sign Up, which is coming very soon, please head to www.lizkowski.com where you can sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already. We will exclusively announce this first to our mailing list before we open it up to everyone else. Okay, now back to this episode. 
so let's talk a little bit about, you know, how we've talked about the process, but like the collections themselves and maybe, you know, for people listening, Treco is a, has a special meaning in, in the native language, Mapanugun, right? Like maybe because everything is, mm-hmm. is connected to that. So I'd like to know a little bit about the collections in terms of how you come up with the inspiration, you know, they're, they're very, all very unique and play into different color themes and, and, and textures. As I said before, the collections, Treco is not a brand that will go with trends. You will never see Treco having the last trend. Treco is a line that will be a classic uh, company that always uh, wants to achieve contemporary designs, but for life. We want these pieces to be sustainable and even trespass generations from generations. This is a piece that I will give to my grandkids and so and so. So the inspiration, as I was saying, it's mainly the island. I go and check not only what people are doing with wool, I go and check what people are doing with the leather. What are they doing with clay? What are, and so all those stuff, I go a lot to museums uh, when I go to Chile and here in order to get inspirations of what it's going to be next. It's never going to be the trendy color that it's coming. Not at all. Each collection has to have around six pillows and two throws, and they have to have a color scheme, and those color schemes are going to be related to the island. So that's why we have very natural colors. Um, Each collection has to have plain, like more plain pillows and some texture pillows. Some collections are inspired in the Mapuches, which are the indigenous, uh, which they have very specific drawings that will mean things for their families. Uh, We have Pucan, which is one of those. Um, What else? I mean, in general, it's just watching and watching and trying to get little details of the island and embrace them in each collection. So yeah, uh, there are some that are inspired. For example, now we're launching one with blues that are inspired in in the ocean of the island, which is very deep, deep blue. blue. So we were very strict of what kind of of blue we were going to achieve. No light blues, no, only dark blues. So Treco launches, me coming from the marketing side, I decided to use this at this company and launch as we were in fashion. So in fashion, you see there's collections like summer, spring, and um, autumn, winter. And that's what Treco does. Treco launches two collections a year uh, going with the seasons of the year. So of course, the colors are going to be attached to that too. So every time I have a spring summer collection, I will try to do brighter colors obviously in the scheme of earthy colors. Uh, And when we do winter stuff, we go on more cold colors. Mm. Um, So, so far we have around six collections. Um, We have the cook. Every single collection has to have a name uh, related to the native dialect of of the Mapuches, which is Mapungdu. So cook it's, for example, means handmade. Uh, Peuma, for example, uh, it's another collection which has the pom-poms, means dream. Uh, so that's why that collection, we wanted to do it with pom-poms and very nubby stuff, chunky things. Um, then we have another collection, which is the biggest one, which is called Makun. And this collection means traditional blankets. What we wanted to bring in Makun is more of the, the more traditional techniques and colors of the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we have Kielwo, which means the traditional loom that is as it's a, the, one of the oldest loom where we can achieve certain techniques. And so all the pillows that go in that collection are made in this loom. So as you see, all the inspirations, they're based on the season, but also on their traditions, a hist- uh, something historic of the island in each one of mm. them. 
And do you, when you get the pieces, this is just for my curiosity. If I ordered this and this arrives to my house, when you open it, does it say who makes it and has like sort of a story or, or is there, I'm so, I'm so fascinated because I think we're moving in this digital age. We're actually at the same time slowing back, going back to exactly what you're doing. And this is not just in textiles and design for your home. I feel this is in wine. This is in chocolate. It's everything. Like every, you want to know where things come from because we're so much in this digital world that we need to have meaning in, in, in what we touch. Um, I mean, is that something that you you guys work with a lot that there's like a connection to the weavers when you actually get a piece because these, how long does it take them to make a piece? Let's talk about that. It must be, a good well, investment. A throw of time. can take de- depending on the on the size of the throw and the technique of the throw. It takes around a week and a week and a half to be done. Uh, that will vary. It has to be dyed. It has to be dried, etc. Um, a pillow you could take two days or three in do only one pillow. That if it's not dyed, if the process is with dyeing, that it takes longer. Mm-hmm. Now. We are not a comp. There's a lot of companies that when you receive the, the product, you know, Rosita did this. We don't do that. And why? Why? Because they didn't want to. They, oh, they, they didn't are want very, to. no, they're very private people. Uh, they don't want to take pictures. Um, they're very simple and, and private people. So when you receive a trek of these, you know the story of the island. You know you're going to be discovering a lot of their traditions and stories, but you will never see their faces. Um, we also attach Chile is a country that has a lot of does a lot of copper things, uh, does a lot of leather things, um, a lot of clay. So we're trying to introduce in each piece something that. Uh, it's more than wool. So now we created that each uh, pillow has a, a little um, bronze and copper jewelry that comes yeah. with each piece. And it's attached in the piece. And that jewelry has the logo of Treco, which Treco means uh, a yarn of wool in the Mapundu dialect. Mm. So okay. we're now going to start introducing leather to our pillows too. And we're using... This is the first time we will have men working because they work the, the leather in the island and we will introduce that leather in our pieces too. Is that coming in this collection you're going to release now for winter? Yes. Oh, wow. That's cool. Well, so big, big new things coming. That's exciting. I, I, I'm looking forward to the blues. <laughs> Do you think Chile or Chiloé in California have a, this is just a general question I'm interested to know because I I feel there's so many parallels geographically to the North and South. Do you, you know, living in the North and looking now at your home country from afar, does this somehow, well, obviously the business connects you with Chile, but do you feel there's a lot of shared similarities that that can be leveraged you know for a a new market that people like what has the response been with this absolutely i live in california and i think california and the south of chile are so so similar not only in their geographically we're very similar uh, but also in the produce that we get uh, all the fruit and vegetables, the wine, um, the amount of fish that we have here, and all those things, it traduces and that you have really similar quality of lives or the way you want to live the life, where you embrace the nature, where you embrace being with family, where you embrace traditions. And that's why I think it's going so good because it's showed, like from another part of the world, we have so much similarities uh, that mm. bring us together. And that's why the taste the taste of Treco is very similar to a Californian house um, and what they want to achieve in their house, what they want to bring into their house. Because we value basically the same things. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting to hear. I, I've always had that impression too. What, you know, in, in, in the U.S., can you talk a little bit of you you don't sell directly right you you are a b no. you 
B2B business. So if people want to find you, they have to go do a little digging or go yeah. find one of your, your retailers essentially, right? Why did you take so that path online commerce? Yeah. I was curious because it's, um, you know, nowadays everybody throws a shop up on Shopify and, and, and kind of goes that, yeah. that route. Because, well, there's different markets. This, there's different lines of distribution. So for Treco, the lines of distribution are one, retail stores, two, designers, and three, hotels, mainly boutique hotels. Um, why I decided not to go to one-to-one customers, it's because I felt these are such high-end products and have such a unique story that I needed ambassadors that help me promote the story. So when uh-huh. I say I sell to retail stores, we don't sell to any retail stores. We pick our retail stores that we want to work with. And those retail stores are going to have the same values that Treco wants to have. And so we we work very carefully with them. We are around in we have around 22 stores that we sell and it's a partnership. Uh, mm. And once I open with one store, I'm not going to ever, ever open to the store that is 10 minutes away from them. We mm. create a partnership, which is the way I work with my weavers too. And, and since we have a partnership, they help me express what the brand is too. When you create a brand and you sell directly to consumers, can you do that? Yes, but it's, it's going to take you longer. And it's going to take you a more investment on your side to do it by yourself. Um, And then there's the tricky line of being, even though I love Etsy, but there's a tricky line of like, is this handmade because it's a hobby at your house? Or this is like a careful uh, quality control kind of company. And I wanted to draw that line very clearly. The reason why I don't sell in... If I sell to a store, it has to be a store that has a brick and mortar. It cannot be a store that's only online because that will be disrespectful for with the stores that are investing in a, in, in a place. Now, with COVID, everything, of course, has changed and mm-hmm. brick and mortars are having to develop in a way bigger level their online sites. And there we are to help them on that. And we provide all the pictures for them. And we provide the stories that they need. And we work together. Uh, the minute I decide, if, if I say, oh, maybe I'm going to add another distribution, which will be uh, direct to consumer. If I do that, I kill all my other distribution lines. And so yeah. that's why I, will, I decided to continue with retails, interior designers, and hotels, and leave aside the consumers directly. And how, I mean, maybe you're, I'm wrong. Maybe. <laughs> well, it just depends. I think it's how you want to sell your, you know, what works for you from a distribution standpoint. And, and if that's, you know, your customers ultimately are, are other businesses. So people have to know where to find you. Um, and certainly, yeah, if you're, you are selling a, a very premium product, there's a certain vetting that happens. And so a lot of these brick and mortars, I'm sure have like established clientele that go there for their home for lots of other pieces. So they trust them because they're doing a cure, doing a curating essentially when they come to them. And so if they, you have a new exactly. brand they're carrying or your new collection, it's because it's been vetted for, you know, that, that niche that they cater to. Um, exactly. makes sense. It's just a business decision. Uh, you know, I'm interested too in knowing, you know, you, you're launching this new collection, you have two a year. I mean, what is the future for beyond that? I mean, how has this, how has this paradigm shift like changed things for you? You can't go to Chile right now, or you could go to Chile, but we're in a very hard place with travel yeah. and doing everything remote. And now we're going online for everything. I mean, how, how has that made your business evolve, I guess, because I feel there's, it's not just challenges, there's like an evolution happening too. Yeah. To be really honest, I felt, I feel COVID brought us to another level in Treco. Why? Because it, it made us challenge ourselves. I, de- I made the decision to not stop 
So during COVID, we never stopped producing. And I decided since we had more time because business were not buying really at the beginning. Mm. Uh, so every, everything was dead. I decided it was the time to make upgrades for Treco. And we had a lot of time to put so much thought. And during COVID, we launched four collections. And not only we've launched four collections, we brought another category, which are sculptural baskets made of a wicker that is in the island called Manila. And this called, so I decided in terms of uh, when economy goes down, you can decide to go low or you can decide to invest. And I decided to invest and just create, create, create. And when everything was starting to open, I was able to launch and have stock of things that other companies didn't have. So at the end, it was risky. I was super nervous, Um, but it was my time to grow and it it paid off. So since the, the pandemic, I've been able to meet more, more, artistic people such as the manila weavers in the future my dream is to treco continue embracing the island of chiloe in in different ways like there's people that work with copper there's people that work with leather there's people that work with clay and so and wood too I'm always and wood too yes oh, so sorry wood. they're beautiful amazing the task is always to understand even though there are great things is there are they unique enough or Mm. what is the twist that we have to create here in order to make it really unique so that it 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 really tells the story of who we are and why chile is so special because you see so many like good clay outside in colombia they do amazing clay what about mexico mexico has so much stuff that is gorgeous but i don't want to sell more of that I want to embrace things like when I decided to go into the baskets, I could have said, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to sell baskets, but there's a million baskets in the market. What is going to be the difference of these baskets? So I didn't want to sell baskets. What about if we do sculptures of baskets? I start studying Japanese weavers that they weave in metal and try to approach those kind of weaving into the Manila. So there's always that, how to twist something that is very from the island, with techniques that are from the island, with materials that are for the island, but looking around us, what are, how we can combine the world with what we can do. That's, My dream is to have all the island working for Treco and showing what they can do. That's my dream. How many, how many people do you have right now working for you? helping with this project so it comes and go, i i have some people that are always they have contracts they are always with us and some people that come and go um depending on the amount of work that we have and special projects that we can have uh the base base are 20 and mm-hmm. we hire some other more if, if we need them um, the max that i have done so far it's 40 oh, i wish those wow. 40 were all always yeah available that's awesome. At what point when you started this journey with Treco once you've decided to say yes to doing the business? Because I think like with everybody that ever owns a business, you jump off a cliff initially and then you just keep jumping off cliffs every so often. <laughs> but what, at what point did you know this is kind of like your 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 path, like your life path? Did you have a sense once you got going like this was like what you want to do? Yeah. Like did you get, did you have like, yes, yeah. like this is why I'm here. Yeah. Like, like uh, uh, a mission. You know how, you know how I started? I think there was two points. One, when I started, I started, you know, Avon, the, the brand, the cosmetic brand mm-hmm. that people used to go with a suitcase from house to yeah. house showing it. That's how I started Treco. Exactly the same. I will pick up my car here in California I will put all my samples in a in a suitcase. Uh, we ha- sometimes I did have appointments. Sometimes I, in the majority of the cases, I didn't have appointments because these stores and in, in designers, they see so many people that they're kind of sick of it. 
So I, I couldn't get appointments all the time. So I just take up the, the car and I will go and I will say, today I'm going to do all this side, like San Rafael. Tomorrow I'm going to go to San Francisco. And that's how I started. And I will go with a suitcase, knock the door and say, excuse me, can I show you what I'm doing? And that is a moment it was like, yes, I'm so passionate about this. I love my country so much. And I think there's so much to show about it. And the reception was awesome. That that was the first, it was so heartwarming, the feeling of knowing that you are showing what, what you are, really, uh, where you come from. I'm so proud of what my country is that I wanted to express it, that that was a moment. And the other moment is once the first meeting that we have with the artisans and the first hugs we had with, with the woman where I knew they knew me. They knew my heart. They knew I was always going to take care of them. And I knew they were going to take care of me. So those two moments were so crucial because I think businesses, in order to be successful, they had to have heart. And mm -hmm. this brand has so much heart um, and we all put so much into it and everyone gives ideas and wants to improve all the time that I, I think that's being in, in the other side of bigger companies, international companies, which they do have that, but in a bigger, way bigger scale where it's hard to feel it. I know mm -hmm. I knew this was going to be successful. That's amazing. I, I totally agree. I love, I love that. The, the, we have to operate with heart. I think it, we've gone so far the other way that, that we naturally are swinging back. How would you, tr if you had to sum up Treco in three words, what, what comes to mind? Like what, what is its essence? Treco is the trespassing of generation. It's trespassing stories of generations. It's being truthful to our older and being honest and grateful for our past. That's Treco. Muchas gracias a Catalina. Many thanks to Kata for sharing her passion, vision, and story about Treco with us. If you'd like to learn more about Treco and where you can find these beautiful pillows and throws in the U.S., go to www.trecochile.com or on Instagram at Treco. That's T R E K O underscore wool. They are launching a collection in February in a stunning new color with a couple new additions. So be sure to check that out. And just a note that while you're on our website checking out the show notes, you can also subscribe to our newsletter. Not only do you get notification of the weekly episode dropping, but that's also where I share my weekly writing, which is usually a story or an anecdote with our community. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and I look forward to seeing you all next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, family member, coworker, or whoever could use some wanderlust in their life right now. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. They're tremendously helpful and we greatly appreciate it. For more inspiration and information on how to come travel with us in South America or bring South America into your home, visit our website at www.lizkaski.com and follow us on Instagram at LCCWE. See you guys next week. Hasta la próxima.